I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. I did enjoy spending some time with my family. My parents and my brother and sister and their family came over as well. I find spending time with my parents relaxing. I also find it often like a walk down memory lane. You know, I don't know if this is the case for your mom, but my mom likes pictures. I think that's almost a qualification for being a mom. Pictures, there are lots of pictures of grandkids, lots of pictures, little shrines here and there. <laughs> but there are also pictures of myself, my brother, my sister, family from long, long ago, from our earliest days, through elementary school, high school, college, seminary, wedding pictures of theirs, ordination, mine, priesthood, and afterwards. I don't know if it strikes you this way, and it did for me this Thanksgiving, and maybe it's just the case after a number of years, decades, it does kind of strike us like that, but as I was looking at those pictures, I thought, where did the time go? Have you ever had that sense? It's like a blink of an eye, and I suppose it's after you get to a certain age, maybe it's like, where did the time go? I mean, there were pictures that reminded me of, you know, happy things, good memories. But then there are also pictures that brought to mind, ooh, that was a phase of life where I think I misspent some time, some energy, some resources. Not in a deeply evil way, but not in a deeply good way either. And I thought, what if the Lord had come to me at that time? Or at that time? Or in that phase of my life? What would that meeting have been like? I think of you know, opportunities, challenges, and temptations in that light, current day, present day, challenges, temptations, opportunities. It's like, in my mind, he's giving me the opportunity to choose now what I should have chosen then in those instances, you know, where I failed to really be all that helpful at home or generous serving others or maybe respectful of others or maybe using my financial resources, kind of skimping out on, on my charitable contributions from time to time. I think that especially in terms of our church projects. Well, now is an opportunity for those times that you kind of skimped out. Well, <laughs> just lucky you. <laughs> you know, last week I met with uh, the RCIA. They had just spent some time reflecting on these readings uh, from this Sunday. And I asked them, you know, what caught your attention? And most of them identified the word that our Lord used, watch. They said, watch, you know, in the midst of your daily duties for our Lord who does come, who does intervene. But one of the candidates said he was reminded of how he's approached RCIA for a number of years now. You know, I'll go through RCIA 
into the church maybe in a year, maybe two years or three years, something like that. I'll, I'll get around to it. And he said he read that and he thought, what if the Lord came to me in six months and not a year or two years? How would we meet? Would he meet me doing what I thought was right or kind of delaying in what was right? You know, with Isaiah, I think we could say, would that you meet us doing right? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Return for the sake of your servants. I think we could hear him say, on behalf of us. You know, I met with the RCIA because we wanted to walk through the rite of acceptance and welcome, which they'll do at the 11 o'clock mass. Acceptance and welcome. Acceptance for those who have not been baptized and welcome for those who've been baptized into Protestant denominations and desire to enter the church. Now, something of the essence of Christianity appears in that rite of acceptance and welcome. It comes out. For those who have not been baptized, I ask them, what do you ask of God's church? And they respond, faith. And I say, and what does faith give you? And they respond, eternal life. And then I turn to those who have been baptized, and I say, and what do you ask of God's church? And they say to enter into full communion with the church. And I say, and what does that give you? And they say a fuller sharing in the life of the church, in God's grace. They live in a passive or a receptive way. No one makes himself or herself a Christian. We stand at the door and knock. What do you ask of God's church? It's not something we can acquire or attain on our own. What do you ask of God's church? We stand at the door and knock, rend the heavens, open them up and come down. The individual Christian depends on the community, but the community, of course, lives in that same passive process of receiving from the Lord that which the community can then extend to the individuals that say, I, I want that too. Now, at the beginning of the rite, their names are called, the candidates' names are called, they stand and they say present. It happens also at confirmation and at the ordination of a priest. Now, it sounds a little bit like a roll call, John Smith, present, check. Okay, we got that covered. The Latin is much more helpful. The Latin is ad sum, ad sum, two words, A-D, then S-U-M, ad sum. Ad is to that or towards that, and sum is I am. I am towards that. They stand up, their name is called and said, ad sum, I am moving towards that. There's a directionality involved. I want that. I am moving towards that, but I cannot secure that on my own. Oh, that you might meet your servants doing right. Rend the heavens, open the heavens, and come down. 
we stand, we are beggars, and we find ourselves in need. You know, th- this week we begin to make slight adjustments uh, to the masses. You know, we've talked about this for months now. And so I've given you a fair amount of time to offer your feedback. It's too late at this point. You're locked in. You know, some had said, you know, I'd like a little more contemporary music, more popular music. Some said, I would like Latin, a little Latin. And some said, I'd rather die than have Latin at Mass. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to please everyone at every Mass. You can see how tricky that could be. So we're going to make side adjustments. Some said, you know, I'd like to recover that option, still possible of all praying in the same direction. Um, Which we'll begin to do at the 9 o'clock mass. And if it goes well, we'll do 11 o'clock. But I thought it might be helpful for all of us on one weekend to kind of see this. So as you hear other people talk, you can say, oh, okay, I kind of see what they're talking about about. There's a little drawback to that, I would say, because one experience is, oh, it's kind of a novelty. It's different than what I'm accustomed to, but it's like most anything else. It takes time to gradually shape and form you. You begin to see it just a little bit differently. Odd orientum is what it's called. Now, listen to that. Odd, the same word, A-D. Odd towards to that, towards that, the Orient, towards the rising sun. This harkens back, corresponds to the Christian's early movement, early, early on, away from praying in the same direction as the Jews do to this day, that is towards Jerusalem, and being oriented towards the rising sun, the sign of the Son of God, odd moving towards him, moving out to meet him. And when the topography doesn't permit a facing east, well, the altar becomes the liturgical east. The meaning of which is sometimes um, solidified or strengthened, like with the crucifix that stands on the altar like ours does, that has a sunburst behind it. You're oriented your whole life, you're moving towards him, running out to meet him. There's a directionality involved in that, a movement involved in that. John Paul II, remember, said that the mass is evidently a meal. That's what strikes us first, is the meal dimension. We consume something, we eat something. But Jesus didn't say, do a Passover meal in memory of me reproduce a Passover meal. He said, this is my body and this is my blood. Body and blood separated from one another means what? It means, that's right, sacrifice. That means death. John Paul II said, the mass is firstly and primarily fundamentally a sacrifice, which is symbolized, don't miss this, when the bread and the wine, please remember to bring them forward, when the bread and the wine are brought forward, those symbolize our little sacrifices, the efforts that we've made with our little hearts throughout the week, moving them forward here, setting them here, and begging God, rend the heavens and come down. Tear the veil 
of the temple from top to bottom and take our little efforts up with yours so that they are consequential, substantial, meaningful, fruitful, eternally. And then he transforms our little offerings, gives them back to us so that we might be transformed in his likeness and transform the little corner of the world to which we belong. And this is vividly depicted in those high altars in old churches. You've seen some of those, right? You know, the decorative back wall, if you will, called a reredos. You probably see some in Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. I think we probably has a high altar still and maybe Paola, where you've got all this decoration, the clouds, angels, saints, right at this meeting point where heaven breaks through into this world. You're not left alone. He has heard your prayers. It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, the Catholic Mass is extraordinary. But our new church is not going to have a high altar, is it, like that? It's not going to have a rare dose. Ours is going to have what? We're going to have this fixture eventually called a baldacchino, four pillars with a canopy over top. An ancient effort to connect back with the meeting tent of the Israelites as they journeyed through the desert, that place where the Ark of the Covenant was housed. And God's presence was indicated through a cloud of smoke or of incense indicating he is with us, what? On our journey, wherever the Israelites going, through the desert, towards the promised land. Oh, would that he would meet us doing right. Would that he would find us with hearts that are bringing our sacrifices to him. Rend the heavens and come down for the sake of your servants.